So I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Natalie Fay. She's the award-winning founder of City to Sea and three times author, but with a new book out, uh, Do Good, Get Paid. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you. The, the week before publication. I think you're the first podcast interview, so you, you, you've got the exclusive scoop. Wow. This, this, this is the highlight of the, my, my podcast so far. <laughs> Scooping. So things, things are looking good today. But how it is, when are we going back to? Which moment are we exploring? We are backpedaling all the way back to November 2017. I had just, um, I gave a TED talk that month and that was the month that I properly experienced first time burnout and sort of founder's fatigue. So it was a a period of my life that was, yeah, very memorable, probably for the wrong reasons. Mm. So it sounds like quite an exciting time for sort of giving a TED talk. It's quite, it's quite a pinnacle for a lot of people. What, what, what? What was going on for you around this this time? Well, I think at that point then I'd been running or founding, sort of starting up City to Sea for two years and had been going really hard at it. And because I originally set it up as a, a community interest company, so like a non-profit basically, or a social enterprise, um, you know, we weren't really getting paid in the early days. Maybe we were working, getting paid like one, two days a week and then volunteering the rest. Um, and slowly that was that was changing. But those those first two years, and it was exciting. And, you know, we were sort of really engaged with the plastic pollution issue and we were going hell for leather, like fighting this this big fight and running petitions and campaigns and trying to grow, trying to get partners, trying to prove ourselves. So there was all that, I guess, two years of of hard work going for it, the pressure of wanting it to succeed. And I think at the same time that month, I'd just gone through a relationship breakup, so I was moving house. So I'd had like a relationship breakup and was moving house. And the TED Talk, although really exciting, was also quite stressful because it was very visible and it was high profile. It was like, as well as in front of 800 people um, on stage in Bristol, it was quite a big deal. And I think that the pressure of that, in addition to the everyday um, responsibilities of starting uh, a campaigning organisation, really, I think that's when I started feeling the the physical symptoms of it. You said this this kind of the, the burnout kicked in. What 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 happened? So it was more just like extreme fatigue, complete loss of mojo, headaches, and I'm generally a, a glass half full sort of tigger type person. So for me to experience low mood, low energy was quite a shift, but I mean, I was just, yeah, I was crying a lot. I couldn't, you know, really struggle to get out of bed. I really, you know, I really had to stop. There was no, oh, I can just push on through this. You know, I didn't, mm. I couldn't really exercise. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a, um, I guess in a way it was quite sudden. You know, I think it was maybe the TED Talk or the house move was like the, that tipping point. Hmm. Were there any warning signs leading up to it? 
Possibly, like my health hadn't been great. Um, I developed a, a hiatus hernia, which I think was, you know, a classic sort of stress symptom. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, that was probably in the background, probably telling me that it was, you know, I needed to bring a bit more balance in at that stage. But but you kind of ignored it. Yeah, ignored <laughs> 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 <Not> it. <laughs> And I think so, it's like the ocean's are drowning in plastic. The albatross are dying. I have to keep going, you know. Which I think is also <laughs> a classic, like campaigners thing, is like doing it, thinking that you, you know, you it's your responsibility to solve that problem, or you take it very personally. And um, so hmm. I think that's also a symptomatic of people working in campaign, social or environmental sort of campaigning fields. It's almost like sacrifice yourself because there's bigger damage being done to the world yeah exactly and that's not in any way sustainable and that's not like that's the antithesis of what most campaigners are trying campaigning for which is for you know more balance and harmony in the world which is like not like working ridiculously long hours and ignoring your body when it says can we have a little rest please (laughs) (laughs) so 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 when this when this then hit how did you how did you sort of get through it well luckily i had a, a, even then i had a, a great team i need like two people around me but um it, they just sort of took over for pretty much a month i think i had about 3 weeks off um and actually that was enough like for me to reflect and regenerate and start feeling better so yeah luckily I had people around me that stepped in I rested I mean I think I just like moved house I moved house unpacked boxes got settled in and just you know focused on that hmm. so you sort of had the, had the right people around you at work but it sounds like you might have been a bit isolated personally if, in that moment yeah, I think you know I, I hadn't even heard of the term founders fatigue until maybe even a couple of years after that and I thought that was really interesting because I was like oh that's what I went through in 2017 like that experiencing it as a very real thing and as burnout as a very real thing and then I I think after that it changed my relationship with work-life balance and stress Mm. In, in, in what way well I think once I was had experienced that I was like okay that can't happen again like that's that's not the way that I should be serving the world that's not regenerative and it's not sustainable and I'm trying to create a more regenerative and sustainable world and um that's not how I'm going to do it so I think that was the sort of I say like a wake-up call or a catalyst for for trying to do things differently (laughs) And what does that look like, so practically, from sort of a doing things differently, sort of from then on versus before? So I think it it kind of came in waves, and I think um, you know, in terms of like stress levels and and how well things are going at work comes in. You know, it's not a steady path where it's always getting better obviously there are like massive curveballs and things along the way but I think I understood more the value of really trying to you know switch off 
have better boundaries around my how many hours I worked, have a different relationship to the cause and also, you know, stop taking myself far too seriously and thinking that I am actually going to make that much of a difference. I mean, we're playing our part. And as it turned out, we have made some amazing, you know, differences and, and wins. But it was that thing of like, I just show up and do what I can do and that is enough. Mm. And then, you know, that for the following year we did end up um, securing uh, a fairly substantial two to three year partnership with a major partner, which did mean that I could then hire um, more people to help us deal with the, um, well, basically to, to help with capacity and resource our campaigns better. And then in 2018, I had uh, promoted a very talented individual called Rebecca Berg- Burgess in our organization and I promoted her to CEO you know carry the weight really and be the weight bearer of city to see and I was then more in my founder role at that point hmm so do, do you think maybe so some of there are two changes one was like you this awareness of actually it's not sustainable I need to I need to be personally sustainable but secondly was a greater resource which allowed you to sort of pay yourself build a team yeah I think I could have still I think I would have kept on with the the personal um, learnings from that burnout time of just you know getting to bed earlier eating more healthily exercising more trying to you know all of those things that I put in place to prevent that level of burnout happening again that level of stress happening again so I think I would have done that anyway and then yeah actually being able to scale the business um I mean obviously that brought its own set of um new challenges but being able to do that I think was um was very helpful and I think also having someone to share the that responsibility with because Rebecca and I were quite unconventional in terms of um, well, actually, we fitted that rocket fuel dynamic that's talked about in that book, Rocket Fuel, where you have an, an integrator and a visionary. And I was happy in the visionary role and terrible at the integrator stuff. And Becky was amazing at the integrator stuff. So actually, it worked well. So I think the load was very much shared. Do you think going back to like your burnout stage, if Becky had been there at that time, do you think you would have... If you had Becky but hadn't changed your personal behaviours, do you think you still have experienced what you experienced? I think it's hard to to put myself in that position because I was building something and creating something. Had I had I had a co-founder that we were building and creating how it was with Becky, maybe less so. Maybe I would have experienced that less so. I think perhaps there was something about feeling like I was ultimately responsible for for our success and for the success mm. of the campaigns. So yeah, maybe having someone else around would have would have helped. I think sometimes when we have well, certainly for me, the degree of the like awakening that I had to the plastic pollution issue back in twenty fourteen, you know, I absolutely wanted to stop the the harm that was being done to the planet and and yeah I did I guess I did take that 
very personally and so it did mean that I maybe went beyond what I was capable of doing because I felt like it was urgent and we needed to change things um whereas now I'm a bit more like oh okay it's a marathon we might not even change it in my lifetime and looking at how plastic production is going we're probably not going to change it in my lifetime (laughs) um so yeah I think that was sort of a, a, a a learning I mean I had never run a charity or a campaigning organization before I was working in tv before I started city to see so I didn't have a clue <laughs> I just got going I imagine perhaps a lot of people found us listening because I think a lot of people try and boil the ocean and try and do it in a very short space of time which is kind of setting you up to fail or burn out while, while trying to do it you know hindsight is such a gift which is definitely what I've tried to capture in in my latest book around how I what I did at City to See and what we got right and what we got wrong and I think one of the things we got wrong was when we got that funding in it was like woo, great this is you know the way it's going to be and and now we've got this much money. Of course, we'll always have this much money. We'll be doubling this much money every year because this is how business works, you know. And um, and so I think we grew too quickly. And I think there was that eagerness for impact, of course, because that's we were like, right, we can have more impact now and we can stop more plastic from getting into the oceans rather than actually just being that sort of steady, like, well, let's be a bit conservative. You know, this it may not grow uh, you know continue as the trajectory which we think it could it could do so I think yeah that like need for speed definitely tripped us up along the way Mm. and also forecasting on from like if your best moments continued year in year out rather than your average moments yeah yeah we definitely thought because we had like the wind in ourselves because everyone in 20. 17 2018 it was the sort of blue planet effect everybody was thinking about plastic and it was a big like wow and it's like okay and so all the corporates wanted to put money into it and um and support us and so but we thought that was would well, i guess we didn't really think it through but it was that there are trends in the environmental movement of what is current and what people are most interested in or you know depending on what studies come out or you know what influences are talking about it at what time and and also what's actually going on in the planet so there's a natural cycle to those which we we didn't really know about take taking this story forward then you've launched cc you've done the ted talk you burnt out you recovered you've got this big funding things things are looking positive where does that take you to today so you've at the time there was like two two slash three of you where, where are you today so I think I initially I started to, to see as a social enterprise because I wasn't quite sure I didn't quite want it to be a charity because I I like the idea of having some ownership of it and um being able to shape its direction and be a bit more agile and not be sort of responsible to a board of of trustees that essentially owned the charity. So I set it up as a 
community interest company, which was kind of, it was neither one or the other. It was sort of neither a charity nor a, a social enterprise. And I think because of the wind in our sails and the, the, the good fortune we had in the early days, I didn't really think through too much around us having a sustainable business model. And so we had a, a diverse sort of portfolio of income streams. So we had like corporate partnerships, product partnerships, like Chili's Bottle would give us a donation when somebody bought a Chili's Bottle and um, moon cup donations, those kind of things. Some um, like local government partnerships and then individual donors and occasionally uh, grants, trusts and foundations, and then very occasionally a incredible philanthropist that would come along and want to support our work but none of those really felt like we weren't properly doing the charitable like major donors grants trusts and foundations and really investing in that because that has quite a long sort of cycle on it we were focusing more on the business side because I had more experience in business and the 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 challenge of the grants and trusts and the major donor stuff just felt very hard to access and you couldn't really get any feedback and it was very I felt quite powerless in that situation whereas in the corporate partnerships I was very much able to um, have conversations with people and try and build partnerships that worked for them and for, for us so but I think yeah the main learning really was that I would definitely have created more of a a, a repeatable revenue stream a predictable repeatable revenue stream for us as early on as possible it sounds like you almost had too much success at the beginning in terms of you almost didn't need to do any of these things sort of you got the ted talk which is hard hard to do you've got a big fundraising sort of which is which is hard to get like you're in the right space and you did lots of great work around it which almost meant that you and, and you managed to get revenue from like multiple different areas. Again, is quite un, unusual. It sounds like almost like your your the width of your success meant you didn't didn't have to at the time focus on any become expert at any one thing, which sort of came back to bite you a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I think we really, you know, when money came in, we put it into our campaigns and into all about the impact and making you know supporting communities and supporting our volunteers to to spread the word and and our you know all the awareness that we were creating around plastic pollution it wasn't it didn't go back into sort of the core uh, like operations and future planning and and business model stuff um so i think there could have been more of a balance there and like you say, yeah, I think we we didn't know how good we had it in the beginning. But or, or how 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 well you done? Like, I mean, it doesn't doesn't. I mean, some of the worst and positive environmental things, but it seems like you achieved a lot across a wide, almost an un, an un, unusually wide range of things. Yeah, I think we did. We came in and blasted it. It was quite, it was quite extraordinary. And I think because we didn't have experience in one or the other, we just then made it up and I think probably were quite disruptive at the beginning of you know when we came in because we weren't really like a conventional charity and 
we weren't really a social enterprise either so it was this sort of like and we were just doing really crazy silly videos and having a lot of fun so it was I think it was quite um new and different hmm some people don't realize how well they're doing because they don't have a comparison point because it's had their first business or their first business that's really taken off or they hear other people like talking about stuff they're achieving on LinkedIn and it's just and they compare themselves to that or they compare themselves to a vision of what they think they should be capable of doing themselves just doing like 10 times more than whatever they're currently doing guilty and- as judged <laughs> <laughs> i think that can be quite that can be quite hard yeah i think it's i mean that's one of the reasons that it is good to have that external like peer support and because there is it's very difficult i think to to see how well you are doing like you say and i've I've always also been one of those people which is a double-edged sword of like seeing the faults and seeing where we need to improve or seeing ahead of where we need to get to i've I've never been great at just appreciating the moment which is ironic because i am a real like you know zen buddhist at heart (laughs) i try and keep myself present and have quite a strong practice in that sense but when it comes to work and comparing ourselves to others like I see these big successful charities you know winning trusts and grants you know of like 100k plus and and I'm like damn I wish we could do that and it's that but yet you know they've been going for 10 years longer they've got five times more people working on fundraising than than we have and um it's yeah it's very easy to just keep looking there rather than looking at well look actually there are probably thousands of organizations that wish they were doing what we were doing and it's i tend not to look that way (laughs) maybe i should (laughs) thank you so much it's been really really interesting and uh look forward to chatting again thanks for having me on as you heard today coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.